Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. A reading from the second letter to Timothy, chapter 4, beginning at verse 6. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them, But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Friends, won't you pray with me? Almighty and loving God, who we gather in this holy place to worship, may our hearts be softened to you, may our ears be open to your voice, and may our eyes clearly see the world as you see it. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts together be glorifying to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So a few years ago, a friend of mine shared a beautiful poem with me that had changed her perspective on life. And when she shared it with me, I have to admit, it changed my perspective as well. It's a poem written by Linda Ellis, and it goes like this. I read of a man who stood to speak at the funeral of a friend. He referred to the dates on the tombstone from the beginning to the end. He noticed that the first came the date of birth and spoke of the following with tears, but he said what mattered most was the dash between those years. For that dash represents all the time they spent alive on earth, and now only those who loved them know what that little line is worth. For it matters not how much we own, the cars, the house, the cash. What matters is how we live and love and spend our dash. So think about this long and hard. Are there things you'd like to change? For you never know how much time is left that still can be rearranged. To be less quick to anger and show appreciation more and love the people in our lives like we've never loved before. If we treat each other with respect and more often wear a smile, remembering that this special dash might only last a little while. So when your eulogy is being read with your life's actions to rehash, Would you be proud of the things they say about how you lived 
your dash. So as I sat with our scripture, I was reminded of this poem and feel as if this is exactly what Paul is doing. He's taking a long, loving look over his life, contemplating his own dash, curious about his days, how they've unfolded since his powerful, powerful conversion on his way to Damascus, which now brought him to this place where he found himself alone, imprisoned, introspective, abandoned, standing on the precipice of the end of his life, but yet not without hope. What we discover is not a woeful Paul, a sorrowful Paul, but maybe a wistful Paul, who is still giving glory to God and pointing people towards faith in Christ. What we know about 2 Timothy is that this is a letter to Paul's dear friend as Paul sits in a Roman prison. Paul is waiting for the summons of Nero who will determine his fate. And this letter implores Timothy. In fact, he says, do your best to come quickly to me, to come and be with his friend one last time. And if he can't come, this letter serves as the last opportunity he has to give Timothy encouragement, instruction, wisdom, challenge him to be faithful just as Paul had been faithful and to affirm the deep faith that had begun long ago in Timothy's life under the guidance of his mother and his grandmother and had only been nurtured by his time with Paul. But now Paul is saying to Timothy, the responsibility is yours to carry out what we have begun together and to do that work for Christ with all his might. As you read this very short letter, there is a deep sense of Paul's deep and abiding love for Timothy, his son in faith, as well as Paul's undying love for Christ. He speaks of his impending death with courage and with boldness, without fear, for he is confident that his faith in Jesus and the belief that his death will be an offering to God, yielding up his will to God's will, and trusting in the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give him on that day, and not just Paul, but to all who have loved and wait for the appearing of the Lord, including Timothy. I think all of us understand that kind of affection. All of us have at least one person in our life that we have looked lovingly over the shoulder of as we have grown in faith. That, dear friends, is a precious gift from God that he has given us one to another, drawing us to himself, journeying through life that we might know who we are and whose we are. I have vivid memories as a little girl worshiping with my Nana. And I know that I am small in stature, but my Nana, when she went to heaven, was no bigger than my shoulder. She's a teeny tiny woman that was fierce with faith. And so I can remember going to church with my Nana and sitting in pews much like these pews 
And Nana would hold her hymnal. And with her old arthritic hands that she had beautifully painted her nails, she would take that finger and show me how to sing the hymns of faith, directing each verse so that I too might sing my faith. I can imagine that that is what Paul is feeling as he is thinking about Timothy, as he's remembering what he and Timothy have seen and shared together in faith, longing for Timothy to continue living fully into what they have preached together and the conversions that they have witnessed. Even in times of trial and danger, they had fought the good fight so that all who hear the name of Jesus may come to know him. Next Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays in the life of the church. It's All Saints Sunday. It is the day where we remember those saints that have gone before us. We light candles, we ring the bells, we say their names. And now they dwell in the house of the Lord. And what a beautiful gift it is that we remember their life, their faith, and the things that they have shared with us. How appropriate is it then for this Sunday for us to consider our own lives and take a long, loving look at them, just as Paul did, in light of the faithful that have gone before us. Thinking about those whose shoulders we have watched over in order to learn the faith. Those of us still running the race. Those of us still living out our dash. It's been just a little over a year ago that one of my most precious friends went to heaven. She was a delight to everyone who knew her. She loved to have a good time. She loved to go to lunch. She loved to spend time with her family and her friends. She loved to run and to go to the YMCA. She lived life boldly and invited others to live life boldly as well. She believed in education and second chances and passionately gave herself to the work she did at the downtown street school. She constantly thought of ways to support her students and sustain the school and was not ever afraid to ask for support. My friend Sylvia was a person that knew God. She knew that he loved her and that if God loved her, she was to love others as well. She loved Jesus so very much. It just oozed out of her. And she would tell us time and time and time again that this church, our church, the prayers that were lifted from this sanctuary for her, the promise of God's mercy and grace is what gave her life four more years beyond her diagnosis of cancer. And this church, this faith, this love of God was what ultimately gave her complete healing and allowed her to go to heaven. Two weeks before Sylvia died, she called several of us to her house. We gathered in her living room and 
She sat in a chair right in front of this beautiful bay window, and the light came streaming in and washed over her. She wanted to tell us all the things that were most important to her. She knew the hymns that we needed to sing that had given her strength, because they would certainly give us strength. She gave us favorite passages of scripture because they were those passages that had sustained her and she knew that they too would sustain us. She talked to us about her great love for Jesus and she eloquently read to us from Deserts, Streams in the Desert, a, devo a devotional that she carried with her every day, all day. It was beaten and battered, but she read to us so that we might know about our God who hears every prayer, every cry, and our God who promises never, ever to abandon us or leave us. And, most importantly for Sylvia, our God that would give us perfect peace. She shared with us that hospice had come to see her and had encouraged her to make sure that she had made amends with all the people in her life to reach out and tell people how she felt about them. Well, Sylvia giggled a little bit and said, well, I've already done that. People always knew how I felt about them, which was true. But there is great wisdom in what hospice encouraged Sylvia to do. And Brony Ware's book, The Regrets of the Dying, she shares that the third most common regret people have is wishing that they had had courage to express their feelings. She says there are five things that we need to say to each other before we die. The first is, I love you. Simply that. Those are powerful words. And oftentimes, when there are no other words to say, I love you, is all that needs to be said. Thank you. Thank you for all you mean to me. Thank you for all we've done together. Thank you for this life that we've shared. Thank you. Forgive me. Now, that's a tough one. Because that means we have to confess that we've messed up. And we've all messed up. We've all made mistakes. We've all said or done the hurtful thing. So asking for forgiveness is so freeing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the things that I've done that have hurt you. I'm sorry for the way that I have not been true to our relationship. I'm sorry. And the fifth is I forgive you. What a blessing. What a blessing to be forgiven. My boys don't like it when I tell this story, but when they were little and I would be at my wit's end because they were tangling with each other all over the place, I would finally grab two chairs from the kitchen table and set them side by side in the middle of the kitchen. I'd make them sit there and hold hands until they could say, I'm sorry, I forgive you. It didn't take long. But it happened. And I believe there's one more thing that's really important that we say to each other, and that is goodbye. I'll be all right. 
Those are all powerful and important things each of us need to say and hear. And I believe that these are the things that Paul is saying to Timothy, and ultimately, so do we. Words matter. Don't let them go unsaid. We have a chance to learn from this faithful follower of Jesus today, a person who had lived the whole breadth of life. We know Paul's story. A criminal who had found redemption in the life of the Almighty God and was determined to proclaim Christ until the very end. Paul had deep trust and hope in the promises of eternity and that his faith would be the salvation of his soul, but it was so much more than that. He had belief and hope in Timothy that faith would be passed on and people would come to know Christ. It would be passed on and on and on, even to us today. Just as I have learned my faith, and I have found my ways, by watching over the shoulders of other faithful followers, I have had so many people in my life speak truth and love and faith, even when it was hard. So friends, I believe that's what our invitation is today. May all of the days of our dash be so reflective of our faith that we can honestly call one another to ourselves and rejoice in our faith in the Almighty God. May we say the things to each other that brings glory to our love of God and be bold enough in our living and in our dying to trust in the promise of faith that this life, this life in the here and now, is the precursor of what is to come in our eternity. May we keep that faith. To him be the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.